Simone. Welcome to the Relationships Are Your Superpower podcast. I'm so excited. Again, another new friend to introduce to all of my listeners. So tell everyone who you are, where you're from, what you do, and your superpower. First, thank you so much for having me here today. My name is Simone Canego. I am from Sarasota, Florida. I am a keynote speaker, author, and podcast host. And my superpower is patience. I have six children, and I'm always the one that people call upon no matter what. They're like, oh, she can fix this. She knows what to do. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to try my best. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Where do you think that patience comes from? I really do think it comes from having six children. I think that we had three children. We adopted our youngest three. And so when we adopted our son, Noah, I like to joke because he was a crier, like he cried all of the time. And I'd already had three children. So this was like a completely different realm. All of a sudden, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so he really taught me a level of patience that I didn't know I was capable of. And that continues on into every aspect of my life. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of patience. Uh, mm-hmm. I have patience for people. I have patience for um, other people's lives. I don't have patience for my own life, right? I want things to move so fast. I want, I have, so, you know, there's all different kinds of personality profiles. There's DISC, there's Myers-Briggs, there's all kinds of things. And I have what's called a heritage profile. And in a heritage profile, um, there's something that is, a marker as to how you see um, goals and visions and and life and structure. And you can be like specific, meaning you can't think past lunch. And then there's global, like me, who can like see retirement. And I'm clearly nowhere near retirement age. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, when I want things to happen that are maybe step three and four and five, I want them to happen yesterday. And so I like to move quick and rapid. So how do you, how do you find patience in your own life though? You're you're talking about patience with other people mm-hmm. and patience with the kids. Like how do you find patience in your own life? It's I really I talk to myself. <laughs> I, it's really about figuring out that whatever I don't finish today is still going to be here tomorrow. It's not that I'm not motivated. I'm completely motivated and I would love to get all kinds of stuff done. It's about being realistic, so using my calendar and really And when I say I talk to myself, I do. I talk to myself in the mirror every morning and set my goals for the day and and really make sure I I achieve them. But I also don't get mad at myself when I'm like, oh, wait, something else happened because something always happens, right? Like there's always some kind of wrench that happens in the day that you don't accomplish everything. And I've learned just not to be hard on myself about that because I will have the opportunity to finish it tomorrow. Mm. Well, with six kids, I mean, of course, wrenches are going to get thrown in your day, right? And I know from having older children, they still need you at at various different inconvenient times, right? Like, mom, what's the password to blah, blah, blah? I just got that this morning while I'm on a meeting with this dire need for the password to get into a certain app. And I was like, oh my gosh, child, right? You're 22 years old. Go figure it out yourself. It's true. It it always happens. Actually, my... 19 year old that was that's way in at college in North Carolina he lost his keys this weekend like he went to a friend's place they took an uber somewhere and guess what the keys were left in the uber he didn't realize where the keys were thankfully he called his brother who also lives in North Carolina who I 
left an extra set of keys with knowing that something like this would happen. Yeah, right. But, um, so my oldest son said, uh, yeah, Ari's texting me at three o'clock in the morning that he can't find his keys. <laughs> and I'm like, so funny. better you than me. But typically <laughs> right. I'm the one who gets that phone call. Like, yeah. okay, mom, you need to help me right now. Like I'm stuck on this problem yeah. or I'm stuck. And you're like, oh my, there goes my day. But that's yeah. what we sign up for. So that is what we sign up for. So you mentioned you talk to yourself every morning. Mm-hmm. So okay, you also mentioned your patient. You mentioned you're very intentional. So let's let's actually start there. Let, let's talk about how how do you start your day? What does your routine look like? Because I think there's a lot of uh, wisdom to be found in people's routines and then the success that they have. So how do you start your day? My day starts by getting up and going into the bathroom and looking in the mirror. I might go to the bathroom first, but then looking in the mirror, (laughs) looking in the mirror and saying five positive things to myself. And Mm. this is something I learned. If you would have asked me this 10 years ago, I would have said, are you kidding me? I, you know, the only time I would talk to myself back then was to talk down to myself, right? Mm. It was just like, Mm -hmm. oh, you look horrible or you shouldn't be wearing that or, Mm -hmm. and what I've realized, and actually there is research that shows that it takes five positive comments to outweigh a negative one or five positive encounters to outweigh a negative encounter. So I start with five, right? I start with five every morning and I, whatever it is, like if it's you are worthy or, oh my gosh, your hair looks great today. You don't have to do anything to it or whatever, whatever I'm feeling in the moment, that's kind of what I do. And it's interesting because I've had women say to me, well, what if I can't find five positive things to say? I'm like, hmm. there are definitely five positive things that you can see in yourself at that moment. It could be your eyebrows. It could yeah. be, you know, whatever it is. It could be something that really kind of starts your day off in that positive mindset. And for me, it's been a game changer. I really, yeah. I feel different about myself as soon as I start. It, you know what? It I do something similar every morning. I um, journal affirmation statements, and I mm-hmm. journal them in a perspective of you know I do the I am method. Like you write them as if you are already what you're writing down, mm-hmm. right? So we were talking before we got on this about how we both want to write books, right? So one of my affirmation statements is already I am an author. I'm not right now. Mm-hmm. I have not written my book, but I'm going to. And so that statement is something I write every single morning. Um, I think back to when I lost 45 pounds a couple years ago, I was not the size I am now. Um, I'm actually smaller than the size I wrote down in my book every day, but I wrote, I am a size six. I never thought in a million years I could be a size six. And now I'm smaller than that. And it's like amazing to me when you put these good things into your Mm. mind, how your subconscious actually goes to work on them. It's pretty fascinating. It's so much for me. It's about believing in myself and for other people as well, for them to believe in themselves because that's the place that you start, right? That if you say, I can't do something, can't means won't. That means you won't even try. Mm -hmm. So when you embrace the word, I can do this, or the statement, I can do this, or I've got this, it happens. You know, the impossible happens when you embrace, you know, what you think can't happen. That's when the impossible, that's when it happens. 
Now, let me ask you this question. I know your history and what your husband does. Is all of this who you are, Simone? Or is this because you've actually heard and understood like the neuroscience and how the brain works and and everything else in the medical side of this? Because this has really been scientifically proven that this is how the brain works. So is this just who Simone is? Or has this been influenced a little bit by what you've heard and seen and been around? So I would say it, it is who I am. I mean, it wasn't for a long time. <clears throat> but I think the importance of when we say things like this, that we do have some research to back it up, like what works for me may not work for somebody else. But if there are studies that show, hey, this really does work and this really makes a difference, then I think it's important to kind of bring it out in that light. Yeah, it's funny because um, my husband is a neurosurgeon and we, yes, we do have a lot of brain conversations and, you know, funny, you know, brain statements, but, um, (laughs) I can only imagine it's not brain surgery. Right. But it really is. So it's fun. It's fun because we have these, these crazy conversations about how we see ourselves and why the brain does certain things. But we also have conversations of, it doesn't matter what you do in your life, you still struggle with self-doubt. So Mm. whether you're a brain surgeon or you're a college student, it's really common across the board. I mean, statistics say 85% of people struggle with self-doubt. I, In actuality, I'm sure it's 100%. I haven't met one person that has ever said to me, oh, I've never struggled with self-doubt. You might be super confident in your work and you might struggle in your, in your relationships or you might mm-hmm. be super confident in your relationships and you might struggle trying to apply for a job. So yep. I think it's so important that we keep that in, in mind. But so- we are not alone on this journey. Yeah. Well, thank, I I wasn't going to be the one to share it with everyone, <laughs> what your husband does, yeah. but I, I do find it fascinating that you've got this mindset and I can only imagine how, frankly, funny, but also impactful your conversations can be, right? Because um, he's, he's doing brain surgery, which is a big freaking deal, but also he understands cognitively how our brain works. Mm-hmm. And how much it controls our mindset and our thoughts and our beliefs. And when you put bad stuff in, bad stuff comes out. When you put good stuff in, good stuff comes out. And and I've always had people tell me writing the I am statements is, you know, Pollyanna-ish or you should write like it as a goal. And I'm like, hey, you, you do you, I'll do mm-hmm. me. For me, this works. Because for me, I'm like, I am going to write a book. So I am going to be an author. And I'm not going to write, I'm going to be an author. I'm going to write, I am, Mm -hmm. right? Because that feels good to me. And then I can't wait one day when I don't even have to write that statement anymore. And I get to replace it with something else, right? I love that. So um, like, I don't write, I'm a size six anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't have to write that at all because I am. And I've, I've maintained it for two years and I'm not going back. So now I'm writing other health related statements that I want to achieve. So it really, I think it's about finding what works for you, but you mentioned self-doubt and that's kind of your mantra is helping people overcome that self-doubt. And Mm -hmm. it is, it is my number one problem I solve in, in P in people's lives and businesses, because I see it so much in business where people don't ask for the business. They don't show up as they really are designed to be because they sit back and doubt themselves and they have that imposter syndrome and the, who am I to say I can do that? Or who am I to be that? Or Mm -hmm. I can't ask for business because I'm not this, or I'm not that. So 
where do you start unpacking self-doubt and how do you start to take steps to overcome it or at least improve it? Because I like what you said is we always have some bit of it in us. It's Mm -hmm. just a matter of how much and how much it's showing up. So I think first and foremost, it goes back to that self-belief. I like to say, respect your reflection, which is Mm -hmm. something I don't think that we do. I think that we... Again, when we look in the mirror, if we're not saying those positive things, we are saying negative things. So I think it's so important, the positive affirmations in the morning, the, um, I mean, there's, there, there's a lot that goes with that. I mean, I could talk an hour about just positive affirmations, but I think that when we talk about ourselves to other people and when we talk about what we do and who we are, it talk, it starts with how we believe in ourselves. And so, Taking a look in the mirror every morning and respecting who you are, I, I it was something that I never, you know, I don't want to say I never thought about it, but it wasn't something that was part of my routine is saying, I respect myself. I love myself. I, and for me, it is all about mindset. And when you say that you write your I am statements, I, you know, obviously there's different ways for everybody does things differently, as you said, but just that start of your morning where you you believe in yourself, right? And if you were to go ask around and ask people, do you believe in yourself? I think a lot of people would have a hard time answering the question. Well, what do you mean by that? Or what do, what do, what do you think about me? You know, we're so worried about what everybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. We're so worried about comparing ourselves to others. And I think that's another big part of it is I think that we spend so much time comparing ourselves to others, we don't realize what we're capable of. Oh, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. I believe that wholeheartedly, right? That that you're doubting yourself <clears throat> because you're comparing yourself to someone else. I think that really is the foundation of it, right? Because self-doubt comes from somewhere mm-hmm. and and why not you? Why not me? You know, why can't you do what you say you're going to do? Why can't you be who you say you're going to be? Um, it's the, I'm not as good as that person. I don't, I don't, you know, do as much as that person. I don't have the resources and tools that person has. I'm not married to a brain surgeon. I'm sure that's said about you, right? Like she can do that because mm-hmm. of this. No, she can do that because that's who Simone is. It doesn't matter who she's married to, right? But we get, we get stuck in our head, with this self-doubt and it really can be toxic. Like I'm sure, how do you see it showing up in people's lives in a negative way? I see them not trying new things. I mean, not reaching their potential because they're so worried that they're going to fail or that they're going to be judged. And so they kind of stick to the same old routine. And for me, I, I like to say to women, what do you want? And I get the response, well, I don't know what I want. So I think like we're so conditioned into acting and mm-hmm. looking a certain way that we don't know what we want because we don't ask ourselves that question. And you see that, especially especially with women, that it affects happiness. It affects what they're doing in their lives. It affects how they react, interact with their family. I mean, it affects so many different things because they don't know what to do. They don't know that. And and again, I think a lot of women don't realize that we all struggle. It's not just them. 
And for me, it took a conversation one time with another woman where I thought, you know, this woman has it all together, right? She's gorgeous. She's got this amazing job. She's got a fantastic husband. Her kids are all super successful. And then you have a conversation with her and she was like, oh my gosh, I, I just, I can't stop struggling. Like I just feel like I'm not making a difference in the world. And, but it takes that conversation, right? We have to learn to ask the questions and be there to listen and not just be so involved in our own lives that we don't realize the difference that we can make by talking to other people. Yeah. Well, I think you said it. It's also understanding that everyone has bad days mm-hmm. and everyone has a bit of self-doubt in them. And as much as you think everyone else has their act together, they're sitting there doubting themselves too. Right. Um, I was doing a, um, I'm getting prepared for um, a uh, organization meeting with my own team here at the business I run in Southern California. And um, I had them fill out this pre, uh, we call it our, our launch for 2024. And I had them fill out their pre launch survey to kind of get a feeling for where they are, what's holding them back, what do they need help on in their business so that I can plan really great content. And one of my agents put down, um, and I did not have them put their name on it so that they could be real authentic and they could really say what they felt like, even though I'm pretty good at picking apart who's who, right? Because I know them so well. And one of my agents put, stop doubting myself. And I figured out based on something else she said in the sentence who it was. And it is one of my most successful agents. And so I said, who put, you know, I put, I said the other statement in there because I knew it was her and she raised her hand and I said, and you also put in here, stop doubting yourself. Tell me about that. And she started talking about doubt and she started talking about how she doubts herself some days as a mother and she doubts herself some day as, you know, an agent and my other agents in the office, their eyes were like popping out of their head Mm -hmm. and they're like, she suffers from self doubt. Like no way. And it was so helpful for them to see that she suffers from the same things they do too. Yeah. And just because she may sell more homes than them, it doesn't mean that she doesn't have insecurities too. Yeah. it It's so true. And we don't know these things until we say them out loud. And I would have people say to me all the time, oh my gosh, you're you have it all together. You have six children. You get it all done. You All these different things that people would say to me, you work and you have a husband who's a physician. And yeah. And I would say, but you have the inside doesn't always match the outside, right? Like, so there are things that I struggle with every day. And they're like, oh, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Like, would you like my list? Here yeah. we go. Yeah. You know? where, where should we sign up? Well, I think that's where, you know, I'm I'm such a proponent of authenticity. And and I know it's an overused word and it means something different to everybody, mm-hmm. but to me, it's you know, authenticity isn't just spewing everything that goes on in your life and every thought that's in your head. That's not authenticity. That's more transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, but authenticity to me is just showing up as who you really are with your with your good sides and your faults. And it's admitting that you have insecurities. It's admitting that you're having a bad day. It's admitting that you don't get everything done. It's admitting that you may think I have it all together, but here's the 25 things that were a train wreck in my life this month, right? Um, and I think that by doing that, by being like, hey, I'm human and I'm just like you in different ways, is really refreshing to people. And when I went through my hair journey and when I went through my hair loss and coming out and wearing human hair wigs, my friends were like, oh my God, I had no idea that you ever have a bad day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who doesn't have a bad day every once in a while? It's called being human. Right. Um, And I think that it, it does 
it humanizes you and makes you more relatable when you actually are willing to say, I need help. You're actually willing to say, I'm not confident. You're actually willing to say that I worry about things. Mm -hmm. When you're actually able to have those conversations, people are attracted to that. That's why I try to teach it so much in business. That if you just would show up as you, people would love you even more for it. Yeah. And this perceived version of you you're trying to show up as every day. Yeah. It doesn't help anybody by not being who you are, right? It doesn't help yourself. It doesn't help the people around you. I was uh, speaking at an event last week and after the event, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said, oh, I have a story like that. Or can I tell you this about my daughter or whatever they wanted to tell me. But they finally, I, f- I, I feel like they, uh, that me sharing gave them permission to share themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's such a powerful thing that when we realize that when we share our stories, our struggles, whatever it is, that's what kind of gives people who have also been struggling the permission to say, oh, wait, I'm not alone. It's okay for me to say this. Yes. Yes. I, uh, when I came out publicly with my hair loss, um, and I shared it on social media and I thought, you know what, there's gotta be other women out there who are suffering from hair loss. Like I am, there's gotta be other women out there who are ashamed to talk about hair loss and are ashamed to talk about how much it's affecting their lives and their confidence. And I was amazed at the Mm -hmm. responses I got and that yes, they were supportive and yes, they were like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing but they also were private messages and DMs of you are giving me the courage to share with my spouse that I have an addiction problem. You are giving me the confidence to admit I have a gambling problem. I mean, you insert a million different things that I heard that I was shocked that people were willing to share with me. Really, really, really private things, things that I need to now see a therapist for. I, you're, you're now giving me the courage to make the appointment to, with the doctor, whatever it may be. And it really was a matter of I went first. That's all. right. Yeah. I went first and I gave a bunch of people the courage. And now in my keynote, I do at the end, I'm like, what's your hair loss story? Everyone has them. Everyone mm-hmm. has one. Yeah. Everyone has one they're hiding behind. Yeah. You know, what's your story? It doesn't have to be hair. Some of you have incredible hair and you still got some problems that you need to address. It's really, really powerful. Yeah. Let's let's talk about imposter syndrome. Yes. So I believe they're a little different, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. Because sometimes you can be really confident, but you're afraid of being that in the world because it's Mm -hmm. like, who am I to think I can do this? Who am I to think I can be a, you know, professional worldwide keynote speaker? Talk to me about imposter syndrome and and how you help women get over it. So I love to tell a story about my mom because she is someone who, even to this day, she's 84 years old and she still struggles with it. So, and it's interesting. I was, when I was writing my first keynote, I was going over it with some of my friends and my friends were like, what's imposter syndrome? And I was like, wait, what? So I, it's always interesting for me to think, okay, yeah, I need to explain things like this. So, mm-hmm. you know, suffering from chronic self-doubt that overrides any feelings of accomplishment, right? So for my mother, she grew up in rural Pennsylvania on a farm. Her mother had a sixth grade education. Her dad worked in the coal mines and at a local brewery. And in 10th grade, she walked into a library the first time. I mean, when I say rural Pennsylvania, it was tiny. There was not a library in her town. And she knew at that moment she wanted to be educated. So she moved in with another family. She took care of their kids, saved money, 
got into the University of Pittsburgh in 1957. Wow. She, and then she worked, studied, read while she was in college. And then in 1961, she got into the University of Pittsburgh Medical School. There were 120 people in her class. Five of them were women. And it was a struggle. Like she always felt like she was working in a man's world, that her voice didn't matter. She was always reading the next self-help book, trying to figure out how do I go through these things. And even today, she'll still say that she 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 struggles with imposter syndrome. That, And I'm like, you are so smart and you have done so many amazing things in your life. So in terms of tackling imposter syndrome, I want to say I do very similar things with self-doubt and imposter syndrome because they do collide at some point. Sure. Um, but I think that with imposter syndrome, we have to understand where it's coming from. Like, why are we doubting ourselves, right? Like, what is it about this situation that we don't feel like we're good enough for this? And start with that issue right there and say, okay, this is why I am good enough for this. Right. This is, and, and we all are, right? I mean, yeah. this is how we start. We we figure out what is pushing us to this point and how do we address that first? You know, it, it figuring out the root cause of anything, mm-hmm. I believe, is always a solution to um, to action and to change. Is is what is causing this, or where is the foundational um, issue coming from? Where's the root of this problem coming from? I think that that is a thousand percent where you yeah. start. Some people can't identify it. Some people don't know where it's coming from. So what do you tell people when they're like, I don't know where it's coming from. I just think that I don't belong here. So then it's going back to the positive affirmation saying that you do belong here and all the things that you can do to build yourself up because, and then I think over time you realize what the root cause is. I think that you start looking at, okay, well, this happened in the office and this really bothered me or, you know, I've never, I've always struggled with this certain issue. I didn't realize that it spilled over into this part of my life. And so then when I think you start investigating that, you do realize that, okay, wait, this is this is really what's going on. But when you can't, you have to start somewhere. And you start by telling yourself that you are more than enough. We really, as women, we need to change the way we see ourselves. We're so focused on changing ourselves and not looking at our own value. So I'm a big believer in that. We don't need to change who we are. We need to change the way we see ourselves. And I'm not saying like we need to be complacent, but I'm saying when we change the way we see ourselves and really start believing in ourselves, then the world opens up to us because we're willing to try more things. We're willing to reach out to help other people. And we are willing to expand our goals and put in the work. And Mm -hmm. that all starts with how when we look at ourselves in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. I... I think that you're spot on in that change can be very dangerous. And I, I do on the other side of the conversation think that there is, there are though things that are holding us back that we don't feel great about that we can change. Mm-hmm. Right. I always say, if you don't like, if you truly don't like something about yourself and it's something you can change mm-hmm. then change it, then fix it, get help, whatever it may be. Right. Like I've, I've spoken to people who are like, I'm super unconfident about my teeth. And that, that is a real thing, right? Yeah. They, they don't want to be on video. They don't want to be in pictures. They don't want to be in front of people. They don't want to be in front of clients. Well, then that is something that you can work on. There are solutions for that, right? So I'm always like, if there's something that you can fix, 
that you know is holding you back. It doesn't matter if everyone else doesn't think it's holding you back. If it's holding you back, then fix it. And that's where my story goes to. I had no idea how much my hair was holding Mm. me back. I didn't know how much it was holding me back till I fixed it. And yes, at the same time, I lost a ton of weight and I happened to get Invisalign because it was COVID and it was the perfect time to do it, right? Get it all done. And I always joke that the COVID kind of, or the Invisalign kind of helps with weight loss because taking those things out to just have a handful of crackers is not like exciting, (laughs) right? Yes. Anyways, we don't need to have an Invisalign uh, lesson today, but I didn't realize how much those things were holding me back until I fixed them. Mm -hmm. Because when friends tell me now that I'm so much more confident now, and I always tell them that putting the hair on the head on my head did not make me become confident overnight. That person was always inside of me. You don't, you don't create confidence overnight. For me, it was lowering the walls that I was keeping around me Mm -hmm. that I didn't know I was. And so let me let me clarify when I make that statement I think so much of the time we are, we are changing ourselves for someone else. Oh great. So it is it is not about like yeah I mean someone wants to have something done whether it's anything plastic surgery if if you're doing it for you it doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't yeah do it for you but don't do it because you think this is what we need to do for society or this person is going to love me more if I do this oh, or yeah. If I if I make this change, then I'll get this job because you're just putting yourself in a situation where you're never going to be happy because you're doing it for other people. We need to find that within ourselves and not rely on everybody else to be giving us compliments. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I, it cracks me up because um, I didn't realize that I wasn't getting any hair compliments until I started getting all the hair compliments. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, you nobody ever noticed my hair before, but it, I don't blame them because it was awful and short and thin and, you know, had there was nothing to it. And now I can do it all sorts of ways and I can curl it and I can do all these amazing things. And now I do get a ton of compliments on my hair. And the best part about it is now I just say, thank you. I don't explain it. I don't justify it. Um, actually I did recently, I do have to confess last week was at an event at a girlfriend's house and one of her girlfriends that doesn't know me was there and was like, Oh my God, I love your hair. Like I love the balayage in it. What color is that? Like what style is that? And so I did kind of have to confess because I'm like, like, I, I can't tell you because yeah. I didn't just, did you just get it done? And I'm like, no. So I did confess in that moment. But usually I just say, thank you. Because I don't need to explain it to anybody. I just say, thank you. But you're absolutely correct. Doing it for other people or doing it for acceptance mm-hmm. or doing it for someone to love you more. There's other root causes and problems there that you got to address that have nothing to do with what you look like or how you show up. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I definitely firmly believe that. Okay. So as we wrap up, cause I clearly could go on about this topic forever. So when you think about all of your studies and your research and, and your keynotes, and I know you're getting ready to write a book as well. Um, what are your top three besides affirmation statements and, and talking positively to yourself, but what would you say your other top three things are to really, um, take a stronghold on this self-doubt and imposter syndrome conversation? So one statistic that really, and I'll give you a couple of statistics and that, that, that will be kind of be like, these were the driving force for me to really take a look in the mirror and say, okay, this is ridiculous. And for my children to understand this is ridiculous, right? Like that we need to really understand our value. Um, the first one was um, a study just a few years ago from um, Dove's self-esteem project that found that 
Um, only 4% of women worldwide consider themselves beautiful. Only 4%. Oh my goodness. Now, to give you a comparison point for that, um, 35% of people in our country believe in aliens, yet only 4% of women believe that they are beautiful. <laughs> That's a stat that you did not know you were going to learn today, friends. Yes, right? But, you know, it just, I think it's just perspective on like, wait, why don't we believe we're beautiful? Like, we believe way in the unknown, right? But we don't believe that we're beautiful. We look at ourselves in the mirror every morning and yeah. we don't give ourselves credit wow. for that. Wow. Okay. So got me on that one. Yeah. Another another stat that really kind of was very close to home. Actually, these two are kind of interrelated, but uh, that seven out of 10 girls um, believe that they are not enough. And that includes mm. their looks, their performance mm. in school, and even their relationships with friends and family. And I think body image is such a big deal. So the last right. stat is that um, by the time girls turn 17 years old, 78% will be unhappy with their bodies. And mm. this one really, really made me think even more because yeah. I know how I used to talk to myself in the mirror and yeah. or talk about myself in front of my children. I would never say anything yeah. horrible to my children, right, about yeah. body image and but I was saying those things to myself and about myself in front of my children. And guess what? You know, the impact was the same. My daughter, who she was 16 at the time, 15 at the time, she said to me, Mom, first of all, you're beautiful. Second of all, you need to stop being so hard on yourself. Mm. You you are giving me a complex. You know? How, oh, yes. You know? And she's like, how do you expect me to like my body when you don't like yours, right? So this is what I'm this is what I'm seeing and that completely changed how it, what I would say to and about myself cuz I was like, "Oh my gosh, she's so right." And then you look at the statistics and you're like, "Okay, ladies, we need to we need to jump in here and really build each other up and not look in the mirror and say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I have this many wrinkles." You know what? Hey, I had this many life experiences. That's the way I look at it. So, you know, <laughs> isn't that the truth? No, I think, I think Simone, what you just said is so powerful. And it is something that I wish I would have <clears throat> discovered all these things about myself sooner. And I say that because I do have a 22 year old daughter and, um, her mother didn't go through this journey that I've gone through and feel the way I feel about myself now until she was about 20 years old. So I do think back to all those years where I told her she was beautiful and I told her she was enough, but I never said I was enough and I never mm -hmm. said I was beautiful. And I complained about everything and said, I look fat and everything and that I can't wear that shirt because that doesn't look good on me and, and all the things I used to say. And I realize now that I was teaching this little girl to think the same things about herself. Now, thankfully, her personality is much more like her father's. And she mm -hmm. doesn't really give a you-know-what about what other people think about her. Yeah. Thank God, she just is kind of naturally innate that way. But now I realize the things I do now and the way I show up now and the stories I tell now and the things she hears like podcasts like this, where she'll be sitting out in the, you know, family common area and can overhear what I'm saying are so much more beneficial mm -hmm. to her. And if I would have just been talking like this since she was 10 years old. Right. Um, but you're so correct. We're, we're raising a generation. This is how the pattern mm -hmm. continues. We have to stop the pattern because we also learned it from our mothers. Right. Absolutely. 
and other women in our lives. And it is really a pattern that has to stop in America because you are, you are, I always say you are unique. You are beautiful. You are special because there is only one you. It's absolutely true. Unless you are an identical twin, there is no other DNA like you out there, right? (laughs) And even then we know there's a little, you know, there could be little differences, but the reality is there's only one you and that's what makes you unique. That's what makes you special. And that's what makes you beautiful. Mm -hmm. And we, we shouldn't try to be anyone else because we are who we are, right? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, my friend, for everyone that is inspired and fired up and ready to make some changes, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they follow up with you? Uh, my website, simonecanego.com. I am the only Simone Canego in the world. So if you search me, you will find me. And I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and I would love to hear from you. And if you read my first book, The Extraordinary Unordinary You, I would love to hear what you think. And working on the second book. So really, really excited for that. I love that. When's the second book going to come out? Uh, within a year. I'm, I'm going to hold you to it. Yes. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm writing. It's just I want to make sure that I have a really good launch plan this time. So yes, good. I've good learned a lot. You. I've learned yes. a lot. Good, good. 51 and I keep learning. So yeah, well, we will make sure everything about Simone is linked in the show notes so that you can follow her journey. Definitely go grab her book, follow along for the next one. And thank you, Simone, so much for being here and inspiring everyone with your message. I really, really, really appreciate it. And friends listening, if you enjoyed today's episode, you know my jam. It's all about sharing it with a friend. Please, please, please share this show and share this episode with a friend that you know needs to hear it. And until next time, friends, we will see you again very soon. Bye for now. 